Lecture topic: The great virtues of making salam. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Wa kafa wa salatu wa salam ala ibadhi aladin astafa. Amma baadu faaroo billahi min al-shaytan al-rajim. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. وَإِذَا حُيِّيتُمْ بِتَحِيَّةٍ فَحَيُّوا بِأَحْسَنَ مِنْهَا أَوْ رُدُّوهَا قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أطعم الطعام أفش السلام وأطعم الطعام وصل الأرحام وصلوا بالليل والناس نيام تدخل الجنة بسلام أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وسبكتد شونس الدين Mothers and sisters, we had commenced the discussion of the hadith of Abdullah bin Salam radiallahu ta'ala and he narrated the incident when Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam arrived in Madinatul Munawwara from Makkah Mukarramah having made hijrat and having come to Madinah Munawwara for the first time and in the first address Abdullah bin Salam says the very first things that I heard, very first words that I heard from Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that he addressed the people and said, Afshus salam, that makes salam common, spread salam, wa at'imut ta'am and feed, wa silul arham, join family relationships, and wa sallu bil layli wa nasu niyam, and perform salah in the nights while people are sleeping. Tadkhulul jannata bi salam. You will enter jannah with salamati, with peace, without any difficulty. So there were many introductory aspects that we discussed already about this hadith sharif and the correct understanding of what it means that you will enter jannah safely by doing these four actions. So those aspects were discussed about two weeks ago and there was some further discussion last week. So now to take it further, to discuss the four aspects mentioned in this Hadith Sharif. So the first aspect that is mentioned here, that Nabi Kareem said, Afshus Salam, make Salam common. One is make Salam but that is not what the instruction or the teaching or the guidance. The guidance is make salam common. Now, we should take a stock of our day that during the course of the day, how many times we make salam. It might sound like a very strange question. person should be making salam. But very often, unfortunately, people don't make salam. Sometimes, maybe we will reply to somebody's salam, very good. But how often do we initiate the salam? We start off by making salam first. So question ourselves, how many times so far today, for example, from the time I woke up in the morning, and now it is almost midday, close to midday. How much of time, how many times did I make salam? Did I initiate the salam? Did I start and commence 
by saying assalamu alaikum to somebody my parents or family members were in the morning uh, i saw them i did i make salam to them what uh, did i do when i saw when i came to madrasa for example when i left home did i make salam properly in a nice way very very uh, audibly this is also something which is unfortunately very often neglected completely when leaving the home likewise when entering the home in particular to make salam and make salam in a very audible manner meaning for everybody to be able to hear it not that you go to scream it and shout it but if somebody is in that room that you are entering into into that entrance section of the house and in fact a little bit maybe not exactly in that space but a little bit inner in the home also but it would be audible to them they would know somebody has now entered who has entered the salam is being made audibly or some don't make salam at all and some might be just making the salam under their breath in a very very hushed manner maybe just mumbling it that's not the manner of making salam and entering the home in an audible manner so that the people of the household hear the salam unless somebody is sleeping now then it's not to be made so loudly that it will disturb the sleep or to now shout out the salam that's not what's required so this is something to check now today how many times we've already made salam and also the rest of the day we take stock that how many times yesterday for example we can remember that how we conducted ourselves yesterday in terms of salam roughly some idea we'll have so now we've passed so many people during the course of the day our classmates some teachers our mallimas and family members at home etc when we entering we leaving so many times so many opportunities are there to make salam but very often this is neglected in the hadith sharif there is one hadith where nabi akram sallallahu alaihi is reported to have mentioned that a time will come when salam will only be made in ma'rifa meaning because a person knows somebody is familiar with the person or this is my immediate family member or this is my friend or this is my muallima so now because we know somebody then we'll make salam to them and if you don't know them but we know it's a muslim so that will then be just brushed aside will be omitted there will be no care to make salam on such an occasion this is obviously wrong and it is mentioned that this is a sign of qiyama that salam will only be made to those whom one is familiar with and if a person is familiar with the person despite knowing and despite seeing all the signs of islam it doesn't matter the fact that nabi akram sallallahu alaihi wasallam is highlighting this in the very first address and that also at the top of the list salam this highlights how important it is but unfortunately how much of care is given how much of attention is paid to making salam so salam must be made common it must be brought alive not something just for just occasions only or here and there where we uh, feel like making salam 
No, salam is something to be done regularly, something to be done whenever we pass somebody, we meet somebody who is permissible to make salam to. That is the need that we have to bring salam alive. If we consider that in one hadith sharif, Nabi Kareem sallallahu has hinged the entry into Jannah with salam. Like in this hadith as well, but there, there's another more clear expression that la tadkhulul jannata hatta tu'minu is the first part, that you will not enter Jannah until you have Iman. Iman, this is the very foundation. And without Iman, there will be no entry into Jannah. This is a lesson in the times that we are living in, that we have to keep repeating to ourselves, with our friends, in our homes, with our families, and wherever there is a suitable opportunity to to discuss this lesson, to say something about it, to just highlight it in some way, this is the need of the time. The need of the time to understand that there is no entry into Jannah without Iman. That is the Aqidah of a Mu'min. And without this Aqidah being correct, then that Iman itself is gone. And if a person believes, Billah, that it doesn't matter what a person believes, now that's the belief, if that's the Aqidah, that it doesn't matter what a person believes, whether he's a Mu'min, or whether he's something else, but he has certain basic values, then he will go to Jannah. Now, if that is the way in which somebody is uh, understanding things and they believe in this, then it's a very, very dangerous situation. It just depends on what exactly the manner that they're looking at things, but it could become a situation of even nullifying one's Iman. If a person, Nauzubillah, believes all religions are one, and all religions people go to Jannah, that is kufr. That is disbelief. That belief is that Nauzubillah, all religions are one. It can never be one. What then was the purpose and the need for Allah Ta'ala to send Nabi Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? And what was the need for him to undertake all the difficulties and hardships in inviting people towards deen, in inviting people towards Allah Tabaraka Wa Ta'ala and telling them to give up everything else and come to and, and obey and, come, uh, and believe in Allah Ta'ala, believe in Nabi Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam except the Quran Sharif as the last and final word of Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala, and that everything else has been abrogated, has been cancelled. And in order to pass this message on, how much of sacrifices, how much of difficulty, how much of pain Nabi Kareem Sallallahu undertook, how much his family suffered, how much his Sahaba suffered, how many Sahaba became martyrs in Uhud at one time, in one once on one occasion, meaning just the battle of Uhud alone, 70 Sahaba were martyred. 70 Sahaba were martyred just in Uhud. For what? And likewise, all the other incidents that took place and the number of, the amount of sacrifice that was given, the sacrifice of Sayyidina Bilal being dragged on the hot sands of Makkah Mukarramah 
and the boulder being placed on his chest and he's still saying Ahad, Ahad, for what was this? If everything was one, then what was the need for all this? And why was all this great difficulty undertaken? Why were these sacrifices made? Why was so much of blood that was spilt of the Muslims and so many became shaheed and martyred? It was because there is only one way to reach Allah Ta'ala and that one way is the path of Iman. Iman in Allah wa Ta'ala. Iman in Nabi Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam as being the last and final messenger of Allah Ta'ala. Iman in the Quran Sharif as being the last and final book of Allah Ta'ala. And Iman that there is no other path to salvation but this path. That was the whole message that the people were given but the Arabs, the Quraysh, they could not follow this. They couldn't be understand this. They didn't want to believe in it. So they began rejecting and because they began rejecting, they became enemies of Nabi Kareem wasallam, and they put so much of difficulty in his way, so much of hardship and difficulty. But Nabi Kareem wasallam, remained steadfast until Allah Ta'ala brought that day when finally Makkah Mukarramah was conquered as well. And even then, there were several expeditions on the outskirts, the tribes that were living, etc. Then Tabuk took place. So many things happened still. So the point is that all these sacrifices, everything was done to give this one message. The message of Iman. And that without Iman, there is no salvation in the Akhirat. There is no Jannat. So this is a lesson that we have to embed deeply in our hearts and minds because currently in the name of interfaith, there is a very strong push to get people to accept multi-faith. So interfaith in itself, the wording may not be really uh, a problem, but it has become a problem. In its initial and original usage of the word, there may have been no problem with it. Interfaith means discussion between people of two different faiths. So that discussion in itself may not be a problem, but it has been made into a problem because the agenda under the name of interfaith is multi-faith. And what is multi-faith all about? Multi-faith is what was just mentioned, that this completely false belief that they are trying to get people to accept is that with the fancy uh, slogans that all rivers meet in the ocean, with those kind of fancy slogans, but which mean nothing in reality in terms of this discussion. The impression that is given that just as all the rivers meet in the ocean, so likewise all the religions, they meet in one place and therefore all is one. Na'uzubillah, summa na'uzubillah. Now that is the multi-faith. That all faiths, na'uzubillah, one. And the among the things that are propagated in the interfaith discussions is that there must not be any exclusivity that a person claims. Whereas, as mu'mineen, we have to claim exclusivity. Exclusivity meaning that this is the only path. Because Allah Ta'ala has said, Inna deena indallahi islam The only deen acceptable in the sight of Allah Ta'ala is Islam. This is exclusivity. Deen is exclusive. So, 
while we will fulfill everybody's rights in dunya, if anybody is our neighbor, he's not a Muslim, but we'll fulfill the rights of the neighbor. Somebody, uh, we are in some business transaction with someone who's not a Muslim, we'll fulfill the rights, we'll be honest with that person, we'll never cheat him, we'll be kind to him. If that person is sick, the person is in some need, the person is desperate, can be anybody, can be a non-Muslim also. But we will take care of every person that we can and we'll share whatever we can with them. We'll try to help the person out in their difficulty, but we will never compromise our Iman. And neither we will compromise this clear belief and understanding and this clear aqidah of ours that Islam is exclusive. There is no other deen. There is nothing else acceptable in the court of Allah Ta'ala. It is only Islam and only the path of deen and iman and Islam that will lead a person towards akhirat, towards jannat. So, this was, we digressed from this point where in this hadith sharif, Nabi Kareem said that لَا تَدْخُلُ الْجَنَّةَ حَتَّى تُؤْمِنُوا you will not enter Jannah until you have Iman. So this was not really a digression, but it was an explanation of this Hadith Sharif, that Iman is the fundamental. Without Iman, a person can never enter Jannah. And thereafter, Nabi Islam says, وَلَا تُؤْمِنُوا حَتَّى تَحَابُوا so now, Iman is a precondition to enter Jannah, but you will not have complete Iman until you also love one another. Now this doesn't mean that if there's some lack of mahabba and love and good relationship between some people, then their iman is gone. But that shine on that iman, the perfection of that iman, the strength of that iman, in fact it is so weak that Nabi Salaam says that it's like as if it's like not there. So without iman you will not enter Jannah and without this mutual love and mahabba and having this good relationship with others, without that, the iman is not complete. So now, this is such an important thing that there should be mutual peace, mutual love, mutual care. So now, how do we get there? So Nabi Sallallahu says, وَلَا تُؤْمِنُوا حَتَّى تَحَابُوا he then gives us the prescription. Awala adullukum ala shayin idha fa'al tumuhu tahababutum. Should I not show you something? Should I not guide you towards something? Which if you practice on, then this mutual love will be created. This mahabba between family members, between extended family, between whoever, whoever this kind of relationship is permissible, obviously where it's haram, then that's completely haram and non-mahram, that is not applicable at all. So, this must not be applied in the wrong way. If somebody is a non-mahram, that person is not a mahram, then there's no communication that's permissible. Something that is necessary, absolutely necessary, to the extent of that real necessity, and in a way that takes care of all the laws of Sharia in that regard. Otherwise, it's out. So, wherever this is within the limits of Sharia, Nabiya Kareem Salaam is saying that I, should I not tell you such a manner and way which if you practice on it will create this mutual love between parents and children, between siblings, between immediate family members who are mahram, etc. 
So all these relationships that need to be maintained between friends, obviously not haram friendship. So how will this happen? The Bishlasim says, Afshus salama bainakum. Make salam common among yourselves. This is the prescription that from all the things that have been mentioned in this Hadith Sharif, first was ifshaus salam, making salam common, then it'amut ta'am, then feeding, and then third on the list was silul arham, going out of one's way to maintain family relationships. And the fourth was performing salah in the dead of night. Out of these four, the easiest is salam. What does it take? How much of effort? How much of effort does it take to just merely bring the salam onto the tongue in a nice way? What effort it takes? The others feeding somebody, there's cost involved of some extent, also some effort involved. Joining family relationships, a person will have to go out of his way. There's an effort. And then waking up in the dead of night and performing salah, mashallah, that's an excellent mujahada that comes with it. But salam is so easy. There's no cost involved. There's no effort involved. But yet, unfortunately, despite being so easy, and this therefore comes at the top of the list, but it is neglected so much. So we need to bring salam alive. These are basic, simple etiquettes, simple teachings of deen, but which are so important. So much of emphasis. In the Quran Sharif, Allah Ta'ala has mentioned salam. That when you are greeted with a greeting, وَإِذَا حُيِّتُمْ بِتَحِيَّةٍ فَحَيُّ بِأَحْسَنَ مِنْهَا أَوْ رُدُّهَا If somebody says, Assalamu Alaikum, then you also repeat, you, you reply. Reply with at least the same, or even better. The person said, Assalamu Alaikum, you say, Wa alaykum salam Wa rahmatullah. Or even better, Wa barakatuh. Up to this point. Wa alaykum salam Wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. So now, the Quran Sharif is giving us this guidance and this teaching and this, this way forward in building up this harmonious relationship makes salam common. And wa iza dakhaltum buyutan fasallimu ala anfusikum tahiyyatan min indillahi mubarakatan tayyiba. The Quran Sharif Allah is telling us when you enter your home, then make salam to, the, to yourselves, to the people of the home. And this is a greeting filled with barakat, filled with blessings. So, we want the blessings in our home. We want that peace, that harmony. We want that good feeling. We want that good relationship. So, this is the prescription that we now practice on it. We bring the salam alive. So, salam, the person who initiates salam, the person who makes salam first, then somebody else will reply. But the one who makes salam first gets a far greater reward. So now why should we lose out on that reward? Why wait for others? Whether it is somebody senior to us, obviously then it's a double need that we should be the ones making salam first. Even somebody junior to us, what do we have to lose? Rather we've got so much to gain. So we should be trying to gain this. So making salam common. So this is a very, very fundamental lesson that we have to bring alive. The Hadith Sharif Nabi Islam is saying, bring salam alive. So now let us keep track of this. Inshallah for the next week or so, daily we'll update. Maybe the Mawlimas will ask us how many people we initiated salam with. Obviously I keep repeating this, not in a way where it is not permissible. 
within the limits of Sharia, how many people we initiated Salam with? This is something to now bring alive, bring Salam alive. When Salam will come alive, then that true peace will come alive. Salam, Salam's the meaning of Salam, one of the meanings is peace. Salam is one of the names and attributes of Allah Ta'ala. Salamul Mu'min. Salam. Allah is the giver of peace. Allah is the one who grants peace. And so now if we will keep invoking Allah Ta'ala's attribute of Salamati, Salam, Inshallah we will benefit from that. And we will gain that peace in our hearts, in our homes. Unfortunately, we made Salam and it doesn't even cross our minds what we are saying. It's just like a greeting, just as a something as a routine, but to do it from the bottom of the heart, wholeheartedly, As-salamu alaykum, properly, many times people uh, make salam in a way that the wording is also not correct. Salam. As-salamu alaykum. That is the correct way. Yes, salam, and even when, when writing, when writing, sometimes people are writing some message, so now that message, they are commencing it with S-L-M, bus, full stop. Or something little bit different, SLMS or Z or long and short of it is they'll abbreviate that salam in some way. That abbreviation is not salam. SLMS is not salam. That is something else, whatever it is. It may be at the most some letters which indicate towards salam. But that's not salam. If on the plate somebody put the plate in front of you and in the plate they got the F-double-O-D so now you look at it and they say well they fed you and you say well okay maybe I also got full I don't know I can't feel it yet but maybe I got full who will get full with that that F-double-O-D is not food that's only the word that indicates food it only is the word of food it's not food in reality so now the word salam just S-L-M-S that kind of, that abbreviation. That is not a greeting. That is an abbreviation. So the word should be written correctly, properly. Assalamu alaikum. And then, Allah Ta'ala gives tawfiq, we add to it, wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. When speaking, when verbally greeting, obviously we greet properly, but even in writing, that doesn't serve the purpose of salam at all, by just merely writing some letters, S-L-M, whatever. So, any case, salam needs to be brought alive and we need to pass this message on in our homes, wherever we can, to bring salam alive, that everybody is going to now become very conscious of making salam properly, correctly, because there's so much, Allah Ta'ala has placed so much of blessings in this, Nabi Karim Salaam has highlighted this so much, stressed it, emphasized it, so inshallah, we will keep track of it, and will ask us as well for the next week every day, so that we get into the habit of this, that we start making salam first, we become the ones to initiate it, but if somebody beat us to it, then we at least reply properly, but we are going to try, we are going to try to be the ones who initiate the salam, and very very important in these things, the, the respect of salam must not be compromised, salam is among the symbols of deen, so you don't start making a joke of it, making a mockery of it, in a respectful manner. We maintain the dignity and the honor of salam, the symbol of deen. In this way, inshallah, we too will benefit tremendously and others too will benefit. Allah wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq. 
وآخر دعوانا أن الحمد لله رب العالمين إن شاء الله يقول continue next week الله يفتح فيك اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك جزا الله عنا نبينا محمدا صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله ربنا علمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تخفل لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين رب اغفر وارحم واعفو وتكرم وتجاوز عما تعلم إنك أنت الأعز الأكرم اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه المعين والحمد لله